0: Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Tips and Tales Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Robert Poe, and I'm here with author and trainer George DaCosta. How you doing, George? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing very good.
1: Good. Good.
0: Yeah. Actually, my, my wife and I just brought home a, a baby boy that we adopted two weeks ago. So I'm maybe a little bit more tired than I was <laughs> a, a few weeks ago, but we're, we're absolutely loving it. He's doing good. And oh, good. So
1: congratulations to, yeah. you, to the whole family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're very excited about it.
1: That's something special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It really has been. Uh, But George, you, you also have, you know, the last time, since the last time we talked, you went to the... the navda annual meeting yep yep and so why don't you tell us a little bit about that
1: oh uh, well, it was fantastic i got invited to be one of the guest speakers at uh the um, navda annual meeting in south dakota um I think it was the midwest tri-valley chapter that invited me and it ended up being better than i could have hoped for i met a lot of nice people i saw a lot of people that i haven't seen for a long time uh there was a speaker um his name is dan griffith griffith he's a a unique guy. He's been around forever. He, his grandfather was a gun fitter. His father was a gun fitter. He's a gun fitter. He's also a, uh, sporting clay and skeet shooter. I mean, he's like really, really, really good. Beat the Olympic, Olympic uh, shooter one time, or maybe a couple times. I don't know. Um, and so he gave a, he gave a, uh, presentation, which was very interesting for those of you who have read the book. He starts talking about shooting, and I had actually met him earlier, and then he starts talking about how he did martial arts. And that how martial arts played into his practice and how he mm-hmm. he mounts his gun ten times during the day and multiple times so that he you know, repetition creates the automatic thing and yep, consistency. Yep. And so he's given he's given his, his his presentation and he's talking about martial arts and he's talking about consistency and he's talking about repetition and I'm going, Everybody's gonna think I stole the stuff when I speak tomorrow, you know? <laughs> you know, we had so much in common. We both train dogs, we both shoot, you know competitively we both did martial arts and um what was really something very special to me was uh he he came to my presentation and and it was great I did some unorthodox things there unorthodox things because I I had you know I had people a lot of judges a lot of senior judges a lot of people been the invitational a lot Mm -hmm. of people UT dogs so I had I had people with a lot of knowledge so I kind of changed it up a little bit I think everybody really really enjoyed it I did <laughs>
0: you know if nothing else you enjoyed it that's that's always important,
1: but at the end of it, I got this big, huge applause I mean it was like being in a movie, it really was. I got this big huge applause applause and and Dan stands up and he puts his hands up in the air and he calms everybody down and he looks over at me and he gives me a wink and he and he says, ladies and gentlemen i've been i 've been traveling around the world for well over fifty years i've been to presentations about dog training all over the United States and the world this is the best one I've ever been to. And I have just about, wow, <laughs> yeah. it was really, I just, I just like, wow. And, and, uh, since then he's ordered a bunch of books for his, for his friends. He's, uh, had me sign them. He's doing a dog training clinic for shields. He does the annual clinic for them. It's kind of, oh like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
0: the outdoor store. Yeah. And yeah.
1: so he said, they're going to buy a bunch of books and he's going to quote my book and, and tell all those people. So it was, it was like, wow okay <laughs> just
0: man, yeah and he's i mean george we already knew you were a bit of a celebrity <laughs> but <laughs>
1: no, it was it was it was it was amazing dan was a wonderful man man to meet and i met a lot of really really nice people and it, it was it was like being in a movie when i i walked out i was in a amphitheater was kind of like anyhow it wasn't like an amphitheater that was closed and when I was done the chapter had a table for me to sign books and stuff you know outside and a few people came up to me to sign their book and talk to me and I said hey I gotta go I gotta go outside so I did a couple of real quick signs there and, and I opened the door to go outside and the hallways are packed with people who brought my book and purchased my book and so I was signing books for over an hour. It was just, funny. it was amazing. So I have my 15 minutes of fame there and that was cool. <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's awesome, George. You know, I, and yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me because actually I don't, I, I think maybe we talked about this in an, in an early episode, but one of the first times I ever met you was here at your gundog ranch. You were doing a presentation on the natural ability test for our local NAVDA chapter. Oh, okay. And, okay. And I remember like listening to you talk about it and just being like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Okay. I'm, I think I'm in on this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy doing those types of things and I really like the fact that people enjoy it and, and they get something to it. You know, one of the things mm-hmm. I told everybody there, I said, if you get one or two things that you take back with you from this, it will have been a, been a success for me because whenever I go to a presentation or seminar or clinic, if I can just go back with a couple of things, then that, that was worth it for me. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, and I, I think I've said this in the podcast before, you know, learn as much as you can from everyone you can. And I actually, I said this at the, at the, at my presentation is I have a toolbox alongside my big tool pouch alongside of my hip that I carry out in the field. And it's all the techniques I've learned, and I may not use them. It's like, you know, you could have a screwdriver, a crescent wrench, a hammer, whatever, needle nose pliers in your tool pouch. That doesn't mean you use them every time. You you pull out what, what you need. But if you do need that needle nose pliers, it's good to have it there.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, you know, I, I, I went over techniques and things of that nature and said if you can just put a few more in that toolbox and when you have a dog that doesn't respond to this technique you try one of the other ones and all of a sudden it it responds to it and it complies and then you give it the positive you know reward afterwards and bam you get you know you've got some success so um i enjoy passing that stuff along and i enjoy learning i listen to everybody else too so. so
0: yeah yeah Well, great. Well, let's, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation. We're going to kind of cover a variety of topics today okay? um, because we we've gotten to the end of the first year, which is, you know, really foundational in the book. So one of the things that we're planning on talking about is we're going to, we're going to just touch base just a little bit on the natural ability test. because we understand that's not what everybody's going to do. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but then we'll kind of talk about, you know, so my dog is one years old and I've worked on all these things. Now what? Okay, is kind of where we'll go with the conversation. So let's go ahead and we'll start with the natural ability test. And maybe if you just give like a brief explanation for those who may not know what it is. And then, you know, just a couple maybe tips that you have for people in general for that test.
1: Okay. Um, before I go into that, I'd like to just take a moment and kind of recap a little bit that, that I want people to realize that, Everything we've gone over thus far has been to have your puppy bring out its natural instincts and to mimic what a wild bird might do and to learn to learn. We talked about that and to have its first year puppy year to have fun. So when you're at this stage and you've been through that part of the book or this part of your training I don't want folks to think, okay, now I can go right into it advanced. No, you, you, right now, depending on how long you, this process has taken, there's nothing better than hunting your hunting dog. You have to get out there and hunt, you know, Mm -hmm. all the, all the foundation that we built is obedience and things of that nature, but it's to make your dog a good hunting dog. There's no substitute for getting out there and getting that dog on wild birds. And also for letting that dog have its, have its first year of fun. So um, I guess I'm throwing a caution out there that uh, I know a lot of people go through this and then they want to get their dog right up to the next stage to be finished or to be force-fetched or to be whatever. And I caution that. Remember, let your puppy be a puppy. Yeah, you've been through all the training in the, in the first year. Now let the pup use it and then move on to the advanced training later on. So I'm just tossing that out there Mm -hmm. just, you know, just so, just so people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's uh, a, that's a great, great piece of advice for everybody.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'll mention this. I see a lot of people who want to, and we'll talk about NAFTA natural ability tests and I'm just going to give you my, my, and just, well, I'm on the podcast, so I'll say what I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I see a lot of people who want to UT a dog right after they do the NA or a very young dog. And I caution people about doing that, especially certain breeds like Griff's and some Britneys and things of that nature. If you have a really strong, you know, like, you know, English setter, English pointer, number, you know, German white some of those lines have some really strong drive in them. And you can take a two by four to them, and you're not gonna you're not gonna shut the dog down, and you're not gonna take its drive out of it. But there's other breeds that are that are a little bit more. And I'll say sensitive, not soft. People think that some breeds are soft. You know, our we have Gus, which is Bruce's dog, which is our old stud who's retired. Gus is now 13. He had 18, 18 staples in his belly, and we that dog to try to keep him out of the field. You had to. It was a tough thing. So they're yeah. tough, but they are a little more sensitive towards what you're. Uh, towards being with people and having somebody do a hard hand on them, mm-hmm. and so if you try to go too fast, and I've seen this happen, um, you can take the drive and you can shut down a dog. You can just you can actually ruin the dog. There's a there's a chapter in the book called "My Conversation with Al Harmeyer," and it kind of talks about that a little bit. Um, so I caution people to that and don't get hooked up where somebody says, "Yeah, well, I you teed my dog in a year and a half." I know many trainers have U-teared a dog, a, dog a year and a half, but they won't tell you how many they, they shut down, how many mm-hmm. they ruined, how many didn't make it and were cold. You, this is your pup. You take your time. This is going to be your dog for your lifetime and its entire lifetime. So, you know, take your time and, and, uh, and just be cautious. So, okay, caution tossed out. yeah. Well,
0: and, and that my... And that just ties in with a lot of the conversations that we've had about like reading your dog knowing where it's at and working with where it's at and not expecting, you know, this, you know, yeah. Everything that we've covered is kind of like the first year, but some, you know, there might be a dog that it's like, yeah, that that'll bleed into some other time, you know, later, or you may have a dog that it has all that stuff down in eight months.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You might have a dog takes two years.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. so yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Train it to your dog's pace, which what works for your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's better to train slower than it is to, to go too fast yeah i'll you know, toss that yeah. out there um so at this point you know take your dog out take your puppy out you, you know work repetition creates the automatic response do all the stuff that you've been doing enjoy your puppy enjoy hunting with your puppy get it out there and and have fun after you've done that you can go into more advanced training which we'll get into but it, before you get into advanced training just some of you might decide to do you know like a junior hunter test or a a natural ability test, or there's a number of other tests out there now, uh, that, that you can testing organizations that you can go. And I will say that, that I, I would like to, to suggest that you consider doing that and consider it strongly. And I'll tell you why it's because most people have good intention to train their pup and to work with their pup. They have, they want to do it, but life takes over. And there's a million reasons why they didn't do it or they couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And if you, if you register for a, a test, and we'll just use natural ability, you have to register well in advance because they fill up. Mm-hmm. Well, it gives you a goal it makes you go, okay, I've got my natural ability to test coming up in five months. So I want to make sure I get my dog exposed to gunfire, get it in the water, get it pointing, get it to have a recall, get it to track. Uh, You know, I've got four months left. I got three months left. So Mm -hmm. you don't want to push your dog, but it certainly gives you a goal to get you out with your puppy and and get it done. So, um, and then it's fun to do. You get out there and you do it. The reason I got into field trials and uh, dog testing was to elongate my time with my dog out in the field hunting mm-hmm. you know hunting hunting season was over so you know let's do something else and so that's how i got into that so um and if you're going to do a, a natural ability test let me just say right off the bat that many times you'll hear somebody say well it's a natural ability to ability test you don't really need to do anything because they're just looking for natural ability well that's that's not correct even in the Ames book that nafta puts out it says right in there don't expect to bring your dog out to a natural ability test without preparing it somewhat for the test Mm -hmm. and what they mean by that and I'm, i'm i'm paraphrasing there is that um your dog needs to be, you don't want to expose it to gunfire the first time it's out there. You don't want to yeah, expose it yeah, to birds. Exactly. You know, you, you want it to know how to point. You don't want to try to get in the water for the first time it's out there. You want all that stuff uh, in, in front. And what I tell mm-hmm. people is this when I'm doing the clinics, which you probably heard this if you've been to one of my NA clinics, I say that, you know, there's a lot of people who have children that have, we'll say, a natural arm then the arm on their son or daughter is just fabulous. They can throw a baseball you know, farther than the adults can, and they can just throw really well. Well, I, I coach baseball. We talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. And when you, when you have somebody come up and try for your T-ball team or whatever, you're looking for natural ability. But you have some child that has a great arm, and the parent hasn't done anything with it, with the person with the child and that child gets out there and it gets nervous and it gets confused and it doesn't know where first base is and it doesn't know where second base is and it doesn't know, you know, all these people around them and they're running the bases. It doesn't know what it gets nervous and it shuts down Mm -hmm. and you never see that arm because the, that, that child is, doesn't know what's going on. It gets confused. So having your puppy prepare for the natural ability test basically get out there and work some birds and get in the water and ear gun fire and all that stuff is just basically like paying playing catch with your child you know yeah um watch the ball when you throw it look at my mitt when you're throwing it at me watch your ball all the way to the mitt. when you bend down to, to grab a, a ball get all the way down put your glove on the ground all you're doing is playing that kind of stuff so when the little boy or girl goes out to try out they kind of have a, an idea what they're doing out there on the baseball diamond mm-hmm. okay and same thing with a puppy um, so, uh, natural ability tests, they're going to, they're going to, ch- they're going to look at your dog's nose. They're going to look at your dog's desire. They're going to, um, look at, will it swim for you? How's it search? Does it point? Does it, uh, is it, they don't go into obedience. They go into what's called cooperation. Yeah. So I'll, I'll touch on that real quickly. So if you're going to go out for a natural ability test, make sure you're not calling your dog a lot, that you're not doing a lot of commands. If you need to do the command, do the command, because think about this. Basically, and I'm putting things in basic, basic format here, desire is the puppy going out. So if they're judging search and they're judging the desire within the search, it's the pup being willing to go out on its own and look for birds, right? That's mm-hmm. your, That's your desire. Cooperation is the pup not going too far out and self-hunting and coming back and checking in with you. Okay. So the cooperation is coming back. So you can kind of think about it of desires going out and cooperation is coming back in. That's the same thing with water, the desire to go out and get into the water, but the cooperation come back out when it's, when it gets the bumper or if it doesn't get the bumper, whatever, you're you're judging cooperation that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So there, if you think about that, if your dog is running around and it's out in the field, it's showing good desire and you start hacking at it and calling it to come back, you just went into obedience because you're calling it yeah. and hacking yeah. at it. There's no obedience judged in natural ability, none, zero. That's mm-hmm. not even on the scorecard. So now what you're doing is you're affecting your cooperation score, right? So there's a lot of things you can do, like turn your back on the puppy and start walking the other way and the pup sees you and starts running back towards you. That's a cooperative puppy, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. just be aware that they're judging cooperation. They're not judging obedience, so don't don't hack on your hack on your puppy. The other thing is the judges are out there to help you at almost, except for on a field trial, sometimes they're not, but but for almost all tests, the judges are, are out there to help you because it's a test. You're, you're being judged to a certain criteria. Um, you're not braced against another dog to see who's going to beat who, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the judges are there to help you listen to them. If they tell you to walk a certain way or go by this tree or go that way or slow down or speed up, they're probably trying to help see the best in your puppy. So so listen listen to the judges and they'll, they'll help you out. Um, uh, one thing that I recommend you doing is when your puppy points, well, let me first say this, any bird contact, I call this re- rebooting your pup. If a wild flush flushes, so the bird flushes on its own, and your dog makes a chase for that bird, let it go. Let it come back. Hopefully it'll wear itself out and come back and look like a cooperative dog. The first thing you want to do is grab your dog by the collar when it gets back to you and settle it down. Tell the judges, I'm going to give my dog some water. Grab the dog by the collar. Give it some water. Take your time. Let that dog's heart Right. Go down. And then I usually take my dogs and turn them around in a circle away from where the where the bird flushed and mm-hmm. then and then let them go the other way, because what happens is a puppy will go out there and a, a first bird contact will be able to say, well, we'll flush or flushes after a point. And we'll talk about pointing. And that, and the dog chases that bird and doesn't catch it. And it's all fired up to get the bird. And then it comes back to you and you go, okay, let's go. And it hits another bird within the next 30 yards. And it's still fired up. So what's it do? Mm-hmm. It goes to take out that bird. Yeah, it
0: blows right through it. It, it
1: blows right through it. Yep. So you want to reboot your dog or your puppy. You want to, and I do this even UT, no matter where I'm testing, if there's bird contact, I stop my dog or pup and give it water and just let it calm down, reboot it, and send it back out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one tip. No matter every single time, whether it's a wild flesh or after a point in a chase or after a retrieve, or whatever, reboot your pup. Stop, settle it down. Start it off in another direction. Um, there's a difference between a UT obviously and a puppy when you when your dog goes on point. When the dog goes on point, normally in the beginning stages. Of testing all they want to see is a point they're not looking for steadiness what's that dog's point at? it's done your score is already done if it breaks after that doesn't matter it's, just, it's already got its whatever the, the score whether it's one to ten or one to four mm-hmm. um, that score is done the caution i will put out here and i've had numerous dogs come to me after they've tested and they're grabbing birds because what happens is They haven't let them grab a bird. They haven't let them grab a bird. The dog's pointing real well. They go out to a test and they plant these birds hard on the ground so that the birds are still there. Mm -hmm. The puppy comes up, points the bird, and then grabs a bird and goes, oh, wow, I can grab (laughs) these birds, right? Right? And now grabs a second bird and the third bird and now you take it home and it doesn't want to point anymore because it figures, oh, wow, I'm fast enough to grab birds. I just learned something. Yep, yep. So I will caution you on that. And so on that especially that first bird, and I'm probably going to have judges say, oh, you shouldn't be saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway. On that first bird, specifically, when my dog goes on point, you don't go from the back. We've talked about this before. Try to come in from the side of your dog so it can see you and it doesn't get nervous with you walking up its rear end. And come in between, when you see the bird, come in between you and the puppy. Now you're going to flush the bird. And I'm going to tell you a mistake I see a lot of people make is the bird doesn't fly. So what do they do? They kick the bird with their foot. Now what happens? The bird rolls on the ground in front of the puppy, head over heels or head over, head over tail feathers. The pup sees the, the the bird rolling on the ground. The bird's dizzy now, so it can't fly right away. And that pup is taken off and grabs that bird. Yep. Okay, So if you're going to flush the bird and it doesn't want to flush, I, I kind of make a V with my feet and I... Push the bird with my feet gently like you're trying to make it walk. And 90% of the time, the birds will flush. They can feel you. It's kind of like if you touch a bird on its tail feathers, it's probably going to fly. So you Mm -hmm. just kind of push it. If it doesn't flush, if my dog breaks and I'm keeping an eye on my puppy, I grab that bird and throw it in the air. Just grab it and throw it in the air. Because... Mm -hmm. I do not want my pup grabbing that first bird because what has yeah. it just taught? It just you just taught it it can grab a bird, and you might have a judge say, "Oh, don't do that! Don't throw the bird." Okay, sorry. Sorry, but it didn't grab that first bird, yeah, right? right? And, and if the if the dog comes around me where I can't get the bird, I will just about tackle my dog. I'll throw my body between me and the bird. I do not want that puppy grabbing that bird because if it grabs that first bird, look out. Guess what it's going to do on the second and third one?
0: Try to grab it. Yeah,
1: so you know what? If mm-hmm. the judges want to get mad at me for stopping that dog from grabbing a bird or throwing the bird, they can, but at least my pup hasn't learned to grab a bird.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you got to think long-term on that more than just the test in that moment yeah
1: you know when i gave my speech in south dakota we were talking about some high level stuff and and i'm and i said right during that presentation if i have to do something to my my dog in the field i don't care where it's at and i have to vote and i'm going to take a point or maybe not pass the test i'm going to do it because mm-hmm. i mean i want for one thing i want my dog to know i will correct you anywhere you know yep, yeah you know if you're doing the wrong thing you, no, you don't get away with it. I don't care if there's three judges looking at me. You, you don't get away with it. Now, you got to be within reason. You can't sit there and train your dog out in the field. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you can say, whoa, at a certain time, if your dog's starting to creep or something, you know, you want to do you want to stop your dog? Stop. Stop him or her. Um, but so when you're when you're out there, you're the one handling the dog the judges are the one judging the dog and if you're going to take a ding from the judges for doing something that you think was very important that to, to do for your dog well so be it right yeah, you yeah. Know? um so um that's a little tip on on that i will tell you in the water if you're doing a test that has water or water work like the natural ability usually your dog has to swim a couple of times a real good tip on that as we discussed this on introduction to water if you're like number four out of out of ten people going for the natural ability test, and and you know throughout the day you're watching number one puppy run, number two, number three, and then you make sure that you uh, that you wet your dog's belly and underside just before it's your turn. Mm -hmm. carry some water and when number three dogs out there swimming and doing its thing and they're checking the coat pour some water on your hand and put it on the puppy's belly and other side because just like just like a human being if it walks into that water slow it's going to stop and once it stops it's much harder to get it going if it's already wet and you can get it moving it'll go in the water you know Mm -hmm. much easier so um that's just a little tip on on the on the water work yeah um, tracking remember the tracking starts when you let go of your puppy so if you've got a hold of your puppy we've talked about tracking and it doesn't look like your pup is has, has made game and is pulling down the, the the track hold on to that collar and go back pull your dog around you and go back to the beginning start it over scoring doesn't i've done it three times in a test before i've done it to where the, the judges say you gotta let that dog go okay <laughs> because if it doesn't have a whiff of that track i don't i don't wanna let it go i'll bring it back you get to walk no. you get to walk three four five six feet down the track, so, um, so that's just some tips on natural ability. Basically, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna watch how your dog works. You're just gonna go out there and have fun with your dog. You're gonna do a short hunt. Usually, it's 20 minutes at most tests for for the beginning test. And uh, you know, um, the judges will help you out. They're gonna, like I say, they're gonna judge the tracking and they're gonna judge the nose. They're gonna judge desire. They're gonna judge cooperation. They're gonna judge water. Um, and, and it's kind of neat to to get some feedback. From judges on your on your dog. and some of the, mm-hmm. some of the organizations will judge the coat and the teeth and the eyes and, th- and things of na- that nature. But I want to say one thing that I tell everybody who I work with, and that is, and again, we'll just say the natural ability to test. You're going to have 20 minutes in the field and then it's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes maximum to do the track. And it's going to take about 10 to 15 minutes maximum to do the water. sometimes much faster than that. Mm -hmm. So the judges are seeing your puppy for about 45 minutes out of its life, out of its entire life. You know what your puppy is just because it doesn't do what it can do on test day doesn't mean it's any different than the morning before the test. And the afternoon after the test, you still have the same puppy. So they're going to have to judge on what they see. And it's only a 45 minute, 50 minute time period. So sometimes pups rocket. Sometimes they don't, you know, (laughs) I tell people a lot of times, uh, when they're talking about their test scores or what have you, and I'll say, you know, major league baseball players are paid millions of dollars to go out and pitch. And some of them get bombed in the first or second inning and get pulled out, and those folks are making millions of dollars. Yep, your yep. pup's not making a dime to go out there, and so sometimes <laughs> that stuff just happens. You know, you know what your pup is, you know what it's capable of, mm-hmm. you know what kind of puppy or dog that you have, and that's what really matters.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: So. All righty.
0: Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Um, maybe let's let's talk a little bit more. I kind of want to go back to. Uh, so your little bit of advice about you know get out, don't expect the,
1: um, puppy to be advanced. Yeah, the puppy yeah. to be advanced uh-huh. yet. Uh-huh.
0: Maybe just maybe just talk about like you know, because some of it is like you know, I think about some like uh, my two dogs were born in April and June, so they were a little bit later. So like you know, as my as my younger one, she turns two here in like a month and a half. But so when, as I'm starting into her, you know, you know, for, for that, it's not like, it's not hunting season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you, so I've got those couple of months to still work on before we get back in the hunting season. I can really get her back on wild birds. Maybe, maybe what would you do? In, Cause I think there's probably a lot of people that they have spring puppies that they still have that full training season before they get out in the field with them that fall.
1: Well, a spring puppy to me is the best puppy. Well, let me say that. I love all pups. But I, you know, they're not no best.
0: the best. Any, anybody yeah. who talks to you and meets you knows that he, your bias is towards dogs, yeah. period. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, sometimes the spring puppy is the best time to get the pup because if it is really, you're just getting your pup in the spring, it's not ready to go hunting. You still have a lot to do. You mm-hmm. still have to introduce it to birds, things and that nature, and so on. You know, you're you're going to work through bird introduction, shotgun introduction, uh, tracking, water introduction. By the time the summer is over and fall comes, that's just about the time your dog is ready to go out and starting to hunt. So yeah. if you get a yeah. dog, if you get a puppy in the spring, like I'm, you know, I, I like to get a pup in the spring. I'm due to get one here in April. I'm supposed to be born in February. Although I just took another pup back uh, on Coda's birthdays, and and it's one that somebody had some personal issues, and I just love this this puppy. It's a year old, and I just might keep that one. I don't know. It's hard for me to give. It's just hard for me to give them up. Um, so if you have a puppy that you that is really young, then you're just going to go through all the stuff that we we've talked to. You're going to you're going to expose it to birds, you're going to expose it to pointing, you're going to expose it to tracking, you're going to do all that in the off season. Now, if you've got a pup that maybe was born later and was kind of being trained during the season and really didn't get a hunting, you know, get hunting in, Mm -hmm. and now it's like seven months old or something, and here you are coming into spring, you got all this time. um, I suggest that you do a couple of things. One is, You get your dog out in the fields, you take pumpers, you take dead birds, you work with that kind of stuff. You take them out Mm -hmm. on wild birds. If there's a place you can get them on wild birds and let them point, take a dead bird with you. They point, the birds flush, throw, throw a dead bird with them. You talk to people around that might have property and have pigeons or game birds that they can use trainers or or navda or mm-hmm. akc that's why i got into all that field trial stuff so okay yeah, um, yeah. you know look at the, look at those things and uh, if you can get a place to do that um do that on you know on the off season enjoy that go out with other other dogs that are doing that kind of stuff so that they interact with other dogs and and, mm-hmm. and do that um so just get out and, and get in the fields Take your pup for walks, get it socialized, um, you know, play with it with, with dead birds and get it out on wild birds. And like I say, if you can, if you can get on, uh, on someone's property, like my property, I, I carry a dog training permit so I can do stuff here all year long and you might have to buy some birds to do it, but you know, mm-hmm. that's all right. That's, you know, it's your puppy, you know, pay yeah, for some birds, yeah. pay for some birds and get it done. Yeah. So.
0: You've already done quite a bit of investment paying for a couple of birds is not that yeah. big a deal. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, you know, continue to do what you're doing, have fun with your puppy, get it out. Um, and I will say this that the put and take and for people don't don't know what I mean by that, it's it's the it's the hunting clubs where they 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 seed the field. So you pay for birds and they put them out there and then you go hunt them and then you take them home. Um, so a lot of people call those put and takes. They are not the they are not regulated by the hunting season so they start way earlier and finish way later than the general hunting season mm-hmm. so i would suggest that you if you don't have a dog that, that that's coming into the hunting season you have to have some time to 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 deal with that you take them to put and take as soon as they're open up and but i will say this be careful with a young puppy when you go to a put and take because those birds are Many of the places are dizzied up and plant it, so your dog could possibly grab a bird. So if I'm going to go to a put and take and take a young pup that's just getting out there, I will tell the people, when you plant it, flag that bird. Flag it. And the first few times you go out there, put your dog on the lead. Come it up. Make sure that it points. Flush the bird and get it. And if, and, and if you get a dog that doesn't point and flushes a bird, don't shoot it going to cost you money but if you shoot it you just taught your dog to be a flushing dog right so yeah if if it starts flushing birds and if you want a pointing dog you don't shoot them so um, use it as a training session to start with and after it points the first couple birds even if you have to have your dog on the lead and and it and and the dog realizes oh i got this we've been doing this Mm -hmm. then do the rest of them without a lead you know or not flag them so you you kind of have to read how well your dog's doing and and what it's doing, but, you know, use that as an avenue to train your dog at the same time, kind of hunt your dog. Um, yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> no, That's good.
0: That's good. Um, yeah. Any, any other advice that you would give to people? Like maybe, maybe um, thinking about, so somebody has just gone through their first hunting season with their bird dog. Because, I mean, this is kind of the time of year that we're coming into, you know, here in Idaho, all our seasons, except for, I think there's like snow goose, snow geese is still open or something like that. But, um, you know, they're coming out of that first season, the dog is did really, really well. Like, what are you looking to do next? Or is there like? I don't know, am I, am I
1: making no, sense of Yeah, you I'm are. Yeah, here? <laughs> yeah, you are. So first thing, yeah, first thing, if your dog had a really good hunting season um, and that's its first hunting season, you can now go into the advanced techniques and advanced training, but I would suggest that you give your dog a break. And that mm. means that, you know, like I'm I'm starting training tomorrow. I got a session, my first session's coming in from out of state tomorrow. Um, and my fields are just starting to get good. I've got people chomping at the bit to come out here. I'm already pretty booked. And I I I, I kind of tell people. I think this person's come from Colorado, so that's why I booked it tomorrow. But I kind of tell people: give your dog a little bit of a break, let it kind of air out. Mm. Just, just you know, it's like you just ran a marathon. Just relax for a, for a little bit and get get its wind back, and yep. then you can start take it back out and start going into into advanced training. So just kind of enjoy the memory of the season. Let your dog just kind of wind down a little bit and love it up and then, uh, and give it just a little bit of a break. And then if you want to start training in more advanced stuff, you can. Now that, that depends on, again, it depends on the puppy and the dog. Yeah, uh, as yeah, always. exactly. So you can look back at the hunting season and go like the guy I got coming tomorrow, his dog was, uh, was breaking birds. I, I've never seen this dog. I don't think, um, and it was just flushing birds. Um, so we're going to work on that dog pointing again and being steady Mm -hmm. now if the dog was pointing great it might be time to move up to more steadiness maybe steady to shot or maybe all the way through or you know maybe some more 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 advanced recalls which we'll talk about or maybe maybe get into force fetch and duck search and stuff so you kind of got to look at what your pup has done and go you know well you know my pup did this this and this really well but didn't do that very well and so let's go back and focus on that for a little while before we go to more advanced stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, or you can, you know, move right into, to the advanced stuff. If you feel your dog's had its first year and did great, you know, uh, you know, I like to have a puppy have its first year so that it learns to love the hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. you get out your shotgun and that dog's like, take me, take me, uh, let's go. And everybody, yeah, everybody yeah. knows what I'm talking about as, as a hunting dog like that or, and, they're like, let's go, let's go, let's go, and they're they're just fired up to go hunting because they've learned to love the hunt. And once they've learned to love the hunt, now you can put some pressure when birds are involved. Now you can put some pressure on the retrieve, and it's not going to take anything out of the dog because it already loves the hunt. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if I got to retrieve all the way to hand, I'll do it because I want to go get me another bird. You know, <laughs> um, so you're not gonna you're not gonna burn that 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 dog out because it's learned to love to hunt so yeah yeah. now you can move on on to you know more advanced stuff um typically what i do if i'm moving the dog from now it's first year a puppy has been a puppy and i'm going to move the dog into advanced training the first thing i go into is heal if you if you remember i told you that i don't i don't heal a dog the first year yeah i I want it Mm -hmm. in front of me keep it in a check cord um, when we're just going for walks, um, I let it go out in the field. If it's doing it on the field, it's not on a check cord, but it might start on a check cord. But when we're just going for walks and doing stuff, I want it out in front of me. I want it to know that it's that it's its jobs out in front of me. Well, now we mm-hmm. have a hunting season that done. It knows its job. Hunting is out in front of me. It went out and found birds and yeah. shot birds yeah. and did all, so it knows what it's supposed to do now. So now I can now I can reel it in and and usually what I do is I go to healing. That's the first thing I do. I don't go into steadiness. I don't go into force fetch. I don't do any of that stuff. The first thing I do is healing. And the reason I do healing is because it changes the atmosphere of the training. When we've been training, we've been all positive, no negative, And we've let the dog be a puppy and, and we've introduced things so that so the puppy learns to love it. We're going to take that up a notch and we're going to say, okay, now you know we're a team. Now you've learned all this stuff and we've had a bunch of fun. Now we're going to establish that there has to be a real boss and that's me. And there's going to be some things that I'm going to expect of you and you're going to need to comply. Mm-hmm. Okay. And healing to me does that. Now, can you... Teach healing by having a treat by your side and have the have the puppy run by you and you say heal. You can do that kind of stuff and you can make it positive that way. Yeah, I don't do that because I want the dog set up for success in the future. So when I start healing, I put a slip lead on the dog, and I start to go forward and and I tell the dog heal. And as well, as we start to go forward, as soon as the dog gets in front of me. I will turn to my right. Now, this is a dog that I'm healing on my left because I have had dogs that I made heal on my right. So we're talking about a dog healing on your left. So as soon as the dog starts to go in front of me, I make a right turn, 90 degrees right away, and I pull that dog right into the side of my leg with the slip lead, and I say, no, heal. Now, remember, we taught the dog what no means, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no
0: no is a command. It's not a suggestion. Yes,
1: so no means no. You don't go out in front of me. I told you to heal. Heal means you stay by my side. So I'll give it a, a real good tug right to my to my uh, my left left knee and start keep walking and as soon as it starts to go in front of me again boom i'll make another right turn heel and pull it right back to me so what that does is the dog starts anticipating Ooh! if i go in front of this this guy he's going to make a right turn and i'm going to get bowled by the slip lead into his is i'm just going to keep an eye on him and i'm going to watch for that right turn So the dog starts anticipating your turn, and it doesn't want to go in front of you because it can't see you. Mm -hmm. Well, now, good boy, good girl. That's a good boy. That's a good girl. Now you might give a treat. Now you might reach down and give him a treat alongside your but I'm establishing, I've given you a command, I expect a command, you're going to comply with this command, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, that's basically what I do for healing for a long time, for for a number of sessions. All I do is do a right turn and straight, and then I'll stop once in a while and go, whoa, pet the dog, good boy, good girl, good boy. Okay, out, and or heal, excuse me, okay, heal, and have the dog start healing again. So what the dog does is it learns to walk right alongside of you, I don't do any left turns, well, it learns to walk right alongside you, and when you make that right turn, it sticks right to you. Mm-hmm. Just, it just goes right to your leg. Now, I might overlay after the dog knows that, and if the dog has been e-collar trained, I might overlay the e-collar on that. So again, we turn. We taught the dog how to turn the e-collar off, which is very, very light stimulation. It's yeah. just an uncomfortableness, yep. right? So same thing. I'm going to start walking with the, with, the, with the dog, and I'm going to make a right turn real quick. Now, the puppy or dog... Might be a really quick learner because it's learn to learn, and it's going to be hard sometimes to get that separation because the pup goes no 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 no. I know you can make a right turn right here, and I know you can pull this cord check cord. I'm going to just stay right here. So you've got to kind of, as you're walking forward, make a quick right turn. So you have if you have a pup that's doing well, so that you do get that separation. And as soon as you get that separation, you hit your your e collar. With the with the cord and just pull it and just pull it towards your leg. As soon as it gets to your leg, you turn it off. Again, the dog has learned to turn the e collar off. And yeah, it's yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Not, it's not painful. I'm not talking. All you want is a little twist of your dog's neck, like head. Like, what are you doing, man? Stop mm-hmm. doing that. Stop. Stop squeezing my neck. Right. you <laughs> yeah, not yep. It's no pain. And when the dog gets to you, good boy, good girl. That's where I want you, right there. Good boy, good girl. Mm-hmm. So the the the. The pup or the dog will learn that um, heal means it stays right to your left side and it stays to your left side when you make a right turn. Very easy to do. I had a guy here a couple of years ago who had been watching some DVDs or some videos trained in his dog and brought his dog to me. I'd seen his dog a few times and he said, you know, it was an older dog. He said, this dog just won't heal. I'm just having a problem with, with healing. And I did just what I told you right there. I put the slip, slip lead on. I The dog had been collar trained, put the slip lead on, I walked forward, I made a right turn and I gave a good, no, heel right next to me, went up there, made another right turn, heel, pull it right next to me and the dog was like, okay, this guy means business and that's all we're doing here is saying, mm-hmm. okay, now we're into the business part of this training sessions. And uh, I did that like four, five, six times, and the dog started healing. And he was like, oh, my goodness gracious. And then I overlaid the e-collar a couple times. The dog was like, I won't walk away. It was less than – sometimes healing takes 10 or 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, It was yeah.
1: less than 15 minutes. It was closer to 10 minutes. And he looked at me, and he and he goes – my goodness, thank God for you. And I was like, what? I, did, I didn't know he'd done the, the, the DVDs. He goes, I've been watching DVDs for two months trying to get this dog to heal, and you just got a healing in 10 minutes. <laughs> so it's not really hard, um, but it sets the standards for for what's coming. What's coming is mm-hmm. you're going to have to, uh, I, let, me, let me say this. And, and when we're training a pup, we're dealing with bringing out its natural instincts. Okay. To run out and find a bird, that's natural, right? Yeah, you yeah. know, to point a bird, if you have a pointing dog, should be natural inside of there. We have to bring it out, you know, to, uh, to watch a bird explode in the air and fall on the ground. It's natural for the pup to run over and pick it up. You know, what is this? Oh, I got it. All right. Okay. All that, all that is natural. Going out, searching, pointing, picking up a bird. That's all Natural. That comes with the puppy. Now, what is not natural is for a a dog to stand there and watch a bird fly in the air, watch its feathers explode in the sky, (laughs) have it hit the ground in front of it, and the pup has to stand there until you say, fetch. Yeah, That is not natural. That's that's obedience, right? Yeah, okay? exactly. So now if we're going to take our dog to a higher level, and I'm not saying everybody should, you you do whatever you want with your puppy, and if you're happy where it's at, that's good. But if you're going to take it to a higher level, you have to establish that now we're going to something that's not natural ability. We're getting into some obedience, and, and we have to deal with that. So um, healing does that for me. And before I get away from that, once you get that dog healing, to the to the right really well and going straight really well and whoa it stands right next to you and and then heel and you move forward then all you do is you start turning to the left and you use your knee and you pull outward with a with a a slip lead pull outward to the left and make a left turn and kind of push on it with your knee um and it's very easy the dog the dog goes okay he's making a left turn i gotta stay right here Mm -hmm. i've had a couple of judges tell me they used to use stakes. They changed that in the UT test this year. They're taking the stakes out of the UT test and NAFTA. And, and I've had a couple uh, judges tell me when I was healing my dog, uh, you're, "You're you're using your knee to push your dog. And I was like, my dog is right next to my knee. It has no cha- no choice yeah. but to hit my knee when I make a left turn. Yeah, I didn't push on that dog. All I did was turn, and the dog was yeah. right there. And I've <laughs> I had other my dog. Yeah. I didn't push my. Yeah, dog. I've had other judges go. He didn't push that dog. That dog was glued to his knee, and and that's what it is. The dog is so glued to mm-hmm. your knee that it feels you start to turn, or your knee hits it. Now, when you, in training, you'll push it because you got to kind of let it know. You want to let it know what it needs to do to comply, right? Yeah. So yeah. you kind of push it and pull on the lead, but it starts learning that real quickly. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and it'll be glued right to you. But we're setting the stage with healing. We're setting the stage for we're going to a different type of training now. Now we're going to an obedience training that is not bringing out your natural ability. This is something different and something that you need to learn to comply with. Because if we end up going to force fetch, we end up to go into steadiness. We end up to go into those things where it's against the dog's natural instinct. We have to make sure that the dog knows this is a new game and I'm the boss mm-hmm. and, and you have to comply and this is how we're going to do it. But I'm going to say this to everybody. Make sure that you always keep the positive in there. yes. You're going to say heal Mm -hmm. and the dog, Mm -hmm. but when that dog's healing, remember I told you, you praise your dog during the, during the action. Yep. When that, dog, good boy. Good girl. Oh, you're doing a good, you're doing a good job. I'm real Mm -hmm. proud of you. Make sure that dog feels good. And then when you're done, I like to do something really fun whenever I'm done with any of these sessions, whether it be tossing a bumper, rough housing, dog likes to swim, whatever dog wants some treats. Um, whatever, once we're done with that session, I'm gonna do whatever that dog loves to do. You did a good job today. Here you go, you wanna mm-hmm. get this bumper? Mm-hmm. Or you know, here you go have some treats, whatever. So at the end of the at the end of the session, yes, we applied more pressure than we have been applying but we made it positive during the process and we made it really pros- positive at the end of the process. Yeah. So the dog yeah. goes, okay, that was, that was pretty cool. That was fun. I got to do this afterwards. Kind of like, you know, you got to go to school, but when you're done recess or in the middle, you get recess or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. So, um, that's what I start with. I start with a, I start with the healing and then I will go to, uh, um, I'll go to, Force fetch fairly soon if I'm going to force fetch a dog, and we can talk about that at another one because that's a whole thing.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, that'll that will we're going <laughs> to s- technically skip that chapter, I think, <laughs> in this moment because it's way bigger than the next, you know, twelve ish minutes. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I will go go to um, a a a recall and and it's a, an advanced recall. If any of you heard the recall session way back when we were starting these sessions, I said there's more advanced recall that I do, but we don't want to get into that because right now we're keeping everything real positive with the dog and we're, you know, letting the puppy be a puppy. Mm-hmm. So what I do with my advanced recall is now the, now the, now the pup is collar trained and it knows how to recall. It's learned to love to hunt. It's learned to learn. It has uh, enjoyed its puppy year. Now I want a pup that comes straight back to me during the retrieve, Whenever I recall it, I want it coming straight back to me. And I want it coming back to me at a decent speed. I don't want it lollygagging. Yeah. Okay. And what I do, which is opposite to what we talked about when we talked about e-callers last time, I mentioned that there's some systems out there that says to, to keep the dog stimulated the entire time from when you tell it to give it its recall, you tell it to come or you say here, if the dog's 15, 20 yards away, you stimulate the dog all the way till it gets to you. And I'm not talking about doing that at yeah, all. I, yeah. don't, I don't believe in that. But what I do is now that the dog is older, the dog has knows its recall already, and it's been collar trained, what I do is I start doing a recall with my dog. I'll put it on whoa, or if, if it's first I'll put it on whoa. so I've got controlled environment. And then even if it's running around in the field, what I will do is I'll give it its recall command and I'll start the light sim- stimulation that we talked about, right, to turn mm-hmm. it off. And as soon as that dog starts coming to me, about halfway back, I'll go to the stimulation again, only a couple, a couple higher. So here's how it goes. I don't see my dog's name. Shiloh, come. And I start the, I start the um, stimulation. Very light. This is, this is normal training mode. And Shiloh starts coming about halfway back. I bump it up a couple, and I go, Shadow, come. And it's a little stronger. And so Shadow mm-hmm. goes, oh, crap, and picks up the pace. Gets to me, good boy, good boy, good boy. I start doing that a few times to where right in the middle of his recall, I give him stimulation that's a little higher, and I give him another recall command as he's already coming, and it speeds him up. It's like... Mm-hmm. Get, so what happens? The pup starts thinking, I don't want that second recall command. Yeah. I won't yeah. deal with that. So I'm just going to get there faster than he can give me that recall command. Yeah. So now you have light,
0: a, lights a little fire underneath. It of lights,
1: light, lights a fire underneath where they're anticipating the second command, but they don't want the second command because that wasn't like the first command that was a little stronger. Everything was a little stronger. So it's, it's Shiloh come. Shiloh come and boom. And then the ooh. So what happens is that dog starts learning. Ooh, I don't want that second. I don't want that second one. So I'm just going to come straight, and I'm going to come fast. Yeah. And when they do, if they're coming at a fast pace that you like, you don't do that second one. When they get to you, you load on the praise. Mm-hmm. Ah, good mm-hmm. boy. That's a good girl. Give a treat, whatever it is you want to do. That's a more advanced recall. That's now we're using that e-collar to kind of up the level a little bit. Yeah. It also sets the stage for when we get to stop to flush, we're going to use the e-collar with a nick with the bird. So it sets the stage that we're not, we're not just using the command and the e-collar at the start of asking for one command. It might follow up with something else. So mm-hmm. you yeah. might be on point later on. And when the bird flushes, you start to move, you might get a nick. It's in the process of doing something that the e-collar might be overlaid. I don't know if that's making sense to you or not.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which is why this is part of, like, it's an advanced thing. It's not a, the pup is learning. It's already, it already knows how to learn. It already has these other things established, these foundations laid. Like, even while you were talking about, like, healing, because I, you know, I, When I think about, you know, there was a, there was some training, I'm trying to remember what, what the program was called, but it was, heel was a pretty early thing Mm -hmm. in, in the training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but, but the way, I mean, the way you explain it's like, oh man, especially with a bird dog, like. No, that probably shouldn't be a fairly early thing because you don't want the dog... And I think we've talked about this before when we were talking about like field search. You don't want the dog to think its job is to be right next to you all the
1: time. So if if you're dealing with a, a complete waterfowl doll dog that all it does is go out to the blind with you and sits in the waterfall and that's all that dog's job is mm-hmm. then healing would be fine right up front yeah but if, yeah. if you're dealing with a dog that you want to hunt upland with and you want that dog out there learning to hunt again you confuse the dog because you want it to keep by your side keep by your side keep by your side then you get on the field you know no get out get out farther get out Well, what do you want me to do you want me to come for you? you want me to stay by your side yeah, right yeah so you want to establish the the with a hunting dog that's going to be hunting upland you want to establish that it gets out there in front of you first. Later on, you can pull it in to heal. And that's also, I was just talking with my friend Sherman today. We were talking about about dogs. He has one that he he, he actually uses my property to train. And he says he has a dog that he's working with right now that that won't um, that one point went through its first hunting season. It's not pointing. And he said, well, you and I... You and I know that that's probably because somebody's been shooting birds over it that it hasn't pointed, so it's learned to be a flushing dog. Yeah, and I said, yeah, that's that's probably true, or somebody has focused on the retrieve too much early on. So when I mm, said we yeah. don't do we don't do heel first because we want our dogs to get out there and know that there's a job in front of us, right? We don't do retrieving before your dog gets out there and points because if you do retrieving too much on a pointing dog and you focus on the retrieving before it ever points, it's going to go out there and it's going to smell the bird, start to go on and point. And go no, no, he wants me to get, to, he wants me to give this or she wants me to give this bird back to him. Yeah. I'll just go ahead and grab it and take it back. I'll be real happy or she'll be real happy. So, yeah, you want to do things in an order that that doesn't confuse the dog. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and in the order that 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 um that meets the needs for what you're going to be using your dog for or your puppy for. So I'm a chucker hunter. I love to chucker hunt. I want my dogs out there. I want them out there over the hill finding birds now, if you're a ditch hunter and you hunt, you know, you're, hunting, you're hunting pheasants all the time in ditches or a quail, you might want a closer working dog. Although these dogs are smart, they can probably adjust. If mm-hmm. you're a waterfowl hunter that, that rarely hunts upland, you might want a dog that heals early on and retrieves early on. And it, so what if it doesn't point? You're just hunting upland a couple times a year and just out there to get a few birds. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, you adjust to what you want to do with your dog and what your dog's lifestyle is going to be going to be um so you know that's that's what i do i do i do the healing and get that going you know and uh, establish that we're going to move forward and then again if you want to take your dog to a higher level that's entirely up to you a lot of people don't need to for- force fetch their dogs a lot of people don't need to take their dog to steady to you know flush wing shot and fall if you want to the tools are there in the book and we'll we'll go over them but that doesn't mean you need to um you know i can tell you right now when i when i hunt do a guided hunts with my dogs part of my stop to flush and my my uh my um steadiness training has a nick with the collar in it and before we go out in the field i just say whoa, and i nick them with the collar go whoa and the first bird i'll go whoa give them a little nick with the collar and they know okay I'm not moving today until he tells me to go. I don't care yeah, what happens. Yeah. When we're wild bird hunting, they see the see the bird explode in the air in the air, they're off. They're going to go get that bird because I don't want to mm-hmm. lose birds that I'm trying to harvest. I don't think that's ethical. Yeah. So yeah, I, don't, right. I don't want I don't want I don't want a, a dog waiting for me to round up to it and say, Fetch. If that bird's down, get on it before it gets away. And so my 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 dogs, you know, do that. And that's another thing. I don't teach my dogs, which looks really cool, and if you want to do it, that's absolutely fine. It's kind of a retriever deal. I don't teach my dogs to bring the bird back to me, circle around behind me, come alongside, sit down, and hand me the bird for yeah. a retrieve. I don't I do not do that at all. Remember I told you I keep the treat at my chest so that they, they come mm-hmm. up and they up? Yeah, they just hold, hold it up right? for you. Right? Yeah. Because I'm trained in a hunting dog. First and foremost, I hunt with my dogs, right? hmm Two things there. One, I've seen at high-level testing... When the dog is walking behind the handler to come around and sit at the side, the dog spits out the bird or starts eating the bird or does something in that little period of time. I want my eyes on my dog the whole time, yeah. and yeah. I want the bird in my hand so that the judging's over. Come up in front of me, hold your head up, I'll take the bird and let's move on. I don't yep. want any fiddly farting around in between because something could go wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And when I'm in the field and we're hunting birds... And we're out actually hunting. I want the bird in my hand. And my dog wants to hand me the bird because what does it want to do? Go find another bird. Me too. So I don't do any of that circle around alongside of me, sit down, hand me the bird. And that does establish some good obedience. If you want to do it, go for it. But it's just not something I do. Um, I want the bird in my hand. Good presentation and move on to the next bird. So, um, you know. It depends on again what you're using your dog for. If you're doing waterfowl and it looks real good for your dog to sit down next to you and hand you that duck or goose or whatever, then then go for it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So anyhow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I did have one other question with the advanced recall, and then that'll probably be because we're we're just about in an hour right now. Perfect. Um so with that, I, I and I've encountered this with my dogs, and I'm sure that, plenty of other people have as well, where, you know, you tell the dog to come and it moves generally in your direction, but you know, it'll take a, a, you know, detour off to the left as it smells something over there, a detour off to the right. So is that, is this advanced recall? Do you, is it not just a speed thing, like how quickly it comes back to you, but do you use it for like that? No, you come straight back. You don't, you know, make those detours off to the side when you smell something. Yep.
1: Yep. That, that helps with that. But I'm going to, I'm going to also say that if your dog is doing that lollygag into the right or left, when you say a recall, you need to do some repetitions with a lead or, and, or the collar. On just general training so that it repetition creates that response, right? Yeah, okay. So, so your dog, you're saying, you know, here or come or whatever, and your dog kind of goes to the side or goes to the side here, and it comes and it gets to you. That's fine. Well, guess what? Tomorrow we're putting on the lead, and I'm going to say here, and you're going to get stimulated, come straight to me. And we're going to do that fifteen times tomorrow, and then we're going to do it fifteen times the next day, and fifteen times the next day. <laughs> and so, when you're out fiddly farting around, I go here. Guess what's going to happen? It's going to yeah, turn and come, come right you're to me. come straight back. Right, right. So, yeah, you have to go back to the fundamentals. And reestablish the repetitions to get it to come, and mm-hmm. then you add the advanced. If your dog's in the in, in, if your dog's old enough and been through it to where it's ready for the advanced training, yeah, yeah, then it is going to want to get straight to you because it knows the next one's coming, and it's going to be higher. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? So that's the difference. The next command is going to be stronger and the stimulation is going to be a little higher and it wants to circumvent that. Yeah. So therefore it comes straight back and it comes straight back at a good pace. And later on, I need to take a drink of water here.
0: No, you're good. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So just, just clarifying then. So you would view the description, you know, my description of, you know, it's kind of lollygagging going, you know, it circles around maybe a little bit before you get to it as more of a... No, you need to you need to reinforce just the recall command, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a, we're fixing this with an advanced. It's, no, I'm making sure that, that recall command is the command I intend it to be.
1: Exactly. Okay. That's that's exactly right. You go back to the start and you do your sessions again. And, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you got to go back and relearn stuff,
0: you yep. know? Yep.
1: And so you got to sometimes go back and reteach stuff, right? Yeah. And well, then, and
0: even, uh, you know, I had a situation um, late in the season where was with, with some guys and we uh, had been jump shooting ducks. And so, you know, my older dog who usually, I mean, she, she does great on finding ducks and, um, but we knocked this duck down on the other side of this ditch, but she'd been in the back of the back of the truck for a little while because we were kind of driving from spot to spot. And, you know, she just, I think she was just so amped in that moment because she was like, Oh God, I'm finally out of the back of the truck doing what I want to do that. You know, she just was not, (laughs) Not you know, usually she knows that if I tell her to come to me and tell her cross fetch, like that means go across whatever is in front of me and there's a bird over there and she just would not go across. And, and I think that in that moment, it was just kind of that moment of like, okay, a, she was super amped from being in the back of the truck for as long as she had been. Uh Um, but, but sort of that, like, you know, okay. So the, what I did the next day is we went out and we worked on, okay, I know, you know, this, we're just going to go back to it yep. though. Cause yep. I know, you know this, but we're just going to make sure.
1: Yep. So two things on that. One of the thing is, and I see this happen a lot with, with people that come to my place. When I've worked with the dog a few times, I fall in love with the dog and the dog falls in love with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's somebody else's dog, but they see me and they're like, oh, boy, that's, George is here. The guy's got all the birds. Let's go have some fun. And they're, <laughs> yeah, right. all, they're all ramped up. Right. So what I see is they've Kinda got like a, the fun grandpa. On yeah, some level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what I see is somebody's taking their dog home and I've had one or two sessions with them. And it's a young puppy. And they're teaching their dog. woe And we've worked on woe And they're creating the repetitions and they get out of the car, like you just said. Mm hmm and the dog sees me and it's fired up and they say whoa and they're holding the dog whoa and the dog wants to go you have to realize that two things don't set your dog up for failure yeah so if the dog comes out and it's wound up don't set it up to fail that's and many times i'll say why don't you just let it go let the pup go just and they'll go okay because the pup's going crazy, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: there's times where you know that that you're putting way too much pressure on the dog. It's a puppy, right? It's young. So don't mm-hmm. set it up for failure. Then turn around and let it sit down go and, and go back to that woe, Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. And and then do it. So that's
0: Yeah, and that was like in in that, in that moment on that hunt, like I had this moment where I was starting to get frustrated with her. And then I was like, you idiot, this is your fault. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. It, it's your exactly. fault that she, she hasn't gotten a chance to get out exactly. and just burn off a little bit of energy. Yep. So yep. she's amped. Yep. So this is, she's fine. Yep. Yep. This yep. is your fault. We can work on some stuff tomorrow with it and she'll be okay. I yep. know she'll be okay. Yep. Yep. This is your fault because you're the one who yeah. who put her in a in a tough situation. Same
1: thing. People bring their pups over here and they do the woe thing and they just let it go and they don't want to go out and work. And I go, let your dog go out in the field, let it air out. It's too excited right now to be here. Mm-hmm. We don't want to set it up for failure, right? Yeah. We, so yep. so let it. You get it to where you can you can set it up for success. Yeah, and not mm-hmm. failure. And then I'm going to just backtrack just a little bit and and tell you that when you were talking about your dog, lollygagging right and doing stuff Mm -hmm. remember you're always training your dog yeah so yeah, exactly. if you're letting your dog lollygag all the time and then you expect it it's one or two times to come straight to you it's not going to you have change your dog that it's okay to lollygag mm-hmm. so yeah
0: that you, consistency piece you got to yep, go back yep. and
1: put the consistency right you got to go back and put the consistency in the repetitions in on how you want it done and then do it at, at, do it at all times and mm-hmm. i i told this i, I told this I, oh this is kind of a good tip i told this in the, in the presentation in south dakota i'm was saying, you know, be consistent, and you're always training your dog. And I said, mm-hmm. I was uh, i was with one of my dogs at a big NAFT event here, here at this, uh, at my my place right here. And um, there's a, a a female trainer in the area. Her name's Anna Kabika. Hope I'm saying that right, Anna. Um, and she was here. This was probably three, four, five years ago. And one of my dogs jumped out of the back of his car and. There was probably, um, my car, excuse me, there's probably 40 or 50 people out here at my place, right outside the door, right here, where we're, where we're sitting, mm-hmm. and a bunch of dogs. I kind of think one of them might have been in season or just came out of season. Oh, yeah. Um, because I think it was CK, if I remember correctly, but I'm not positive. Um, we'll just use CK for, for, for the sake of using it. So I opened the door of my back of my car, and I opened the, the crate, and all my dogs wait for me to go out. They'll just stand there and then they will say out because that's, that's what I do all the time. Yep. That's Mm -hmm. just what they do. Right. And so I open the, the, the back and he jumps out and starts to go into the crowd and I go, Whoa, and keeps going. And I go, Whoa. And he kind of slows down and I go, and I start moving towards him. CK. Whoa. And he stops and I reach over. Now he's, we'll say 25 feet out. I reach up and I reach under his belly and under his chest and I pick him up and I take him all the way to the car and I do this little shake where I go back and forth and I'm you can see it here but it's kind of like my it's kind of like a teeter totter sideways right mm-hmm. we've talked about this yeah. and I give him his little shake and I set him down on the ground and I go whoa and I walk away well I got now I got probably 40 or 50 people looking at me like <laughs> yeah they're like what is crap? George doing over what is this there guy? Well, my <laughs> half of them don't know three quarters of them don't know me and uh, they're looking at me and now here, here, here's my dog standing on low, boom, solid as a walk. I walk over, I put him on the side and I go, good boy, good, that's a good boy, that's a good boy. And I tap him on his head and I say, okay, out, boom. Then he goes out and does his thing. Mm-hmm. And I hear two people standing next to Anna and, and and one of them goes, what the heck was he doing? And Anna goes, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. His dog didn't mind him. And he reinforced that the dog's going to yep. mind no mm-hmm. matter what. In front of 40 or 50 people, you know, I'm going to be consistent. And you're going to mind me. I don't care what's going on. Even if there is a girl in heat out there, if I tell you to woe, you're going to woe. It's kind of like a at the, at the thing. So I did that. I actually told that story at a, a, in North Dakota and uh uh sunday ford was her name she ha- actually helped me she was in front she was thank you sunday she helped me uh um with some things i did in the presentation but she looks up at me and she goes uh, what was this i understand you picking your dog up and i understand you taking it back but what was this little shuffle you did with your hands and so <laughs> i explained it to her uh-huh. uh, you know dogs don't like all four paws off the ground and they don't like to be shaken in the air And so that's my little shake.
0: It's a a very unnatural
1: thing for them to experience. uh, Yeah, they'll kind of go, whoa, I'm not moving now. I don't want that again. And I I told them in front of everybody, I said, if I have a really stubborn dog, I'll just spin it around like a helicopter. I'll pick it up, take it back to where I want it to be. And just turn in a complete circle, me and the dog, and let its legs go outward, you know, horizontal to the ground, and then set it back down and go whoa, and then, and then now the dog is going, holy crap, i ain't mm-hmm. doing that again, right? <laughs> so, um, so I explained it to her. So I'm passing on the tip to you guys if you if you haven't heard it. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, consistency. You're always training your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you know all the stuff that we spoke about. Some of this stuff is getting repetitiveness to this, to the repetitive to these people. But that's okay.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That re- repetition creates an automatic response. Yeah. So.
1: And I had a guy tell me not too long ago that he's been listening to the co- podcast and he's been reading the book, and he said he was working with this dog, and he said I could hear you. In the back of my mind, telling, <laughs> telling me, you know, whatever it was, just do this, do this. He goes, I could hear you talking to me, and that's, I think, because he heard it so many times, you know, yeah, that yeah. That, mm-hmm. that, that, it, that it just popped in, and um, you know, hopefully, that's helping people. I don't, yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope the podcasts are helping everybody, and I hope the books helping everybody, and more importantly. I hope it's helping all your puppies and your dogs.
0: Yep. Yeah, it's definitely, man, I I think I've said this before, but it's helped me out so much with my my two dogs. So it's Good. been it's been great for me. So thanks again, George, for for all your insight and uh thanks everybody for listening in. Um remember that um
1: I wanna say something. Is that okay? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's Coda's birthday today and uh Oh it right yeah, now. this is my old girl. She's she's done everything for me. She's uh She's been my demonstration dog for years. She's, mm-hmm. she's and even tired, as yeah.
0: she's gotten, you know, because she, yeah, she's gone deaf, and yeah. so you've talked about how it's been cool for people to see like this is how I've transposed things even after she lost her hearing. Yeah,
1: yeah, and she's losing her hair now. You can see her. She's next to me. She's been to the vet a few times. She's had some health problems, and she's got her bumps all over her. But she's just such a sweetheart, and she's just been. Just, she's the love of my life this girl's just, just been next to me forever and so oh, happy birthday coda
0: hmm <laughs> well very happy birthday Dakota uh, yeah but anyways thanks again everybody for listening in um, remember that you can write into the tips and tales podcast at gmail.com um, with any comments or questions for us um, it's been great to to hear from people and um, we make sure to uh, even if we don't talk about it on the podcast we try to make sure that we respond via email to all of those. Um, and if you, uh, really like the podcast, be sure to share it with a friend, um, like and rate it and review it and stuff on your different, uh, platforms. And always remember that blessed are the men and women who live with a bird dog by their side. Have a great day.